In this episode of Full Stack Radio, I get some help from my friend Ian Landsman on figuring out some marketing and product design challenges with a new Tailwind component directory product I've been working on with Steve Shoger. This is Full Stack Radio, episode 123. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Full Stack Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Wannan, and today I am joined by my friend, Ian Landsman. How's it going, Ian? Hey, how you doing? Good. So the reason I wanted to have you on the show today, um, you know, you've been on the show before. I kind of, I like to bring you on the show anytime I want to get like, uh, I think of you as kind of like my software business uncle that like i get to talk to once in a while that has all this like wisdom awesome <laughs> so, i love that <laughs> it's cool to be able to chat with you sometimes when i'm trying to figure something out and just get some uh get some perspective from someone who's been in the game for a while you're cra- um, crazy software uncle <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah so kind of what i wanted to chat with you about today is um, me and steve shoger who i worked on uh, refactoring ui with are working on this new product that we're still trying to figure out exactly what it's going to be but like there's some things that we're just struggling to to feel like we've made a confident decision on and i thought it'd be um, cool to get some of your input on that so what we're trying to make is obviously like me and steve work on tailwind css for a bunch of reasons and people use it and and it's cool or whatever um but because it's like a utility framework, there's sort of a hole where a lot of people who try to use it uh, kind of get stuck because they just don't, even though they like the workflow, they just don't know like what to do with it. You know what I mean? It's like right, yeah. bootstrap. Okay. I, I want to make a list group or I want to make a nav bar. It's like all right there. But yeah. um, with Tailwind, you're sort of like left to your own devices. So what we thought would be kind of an interesting way to try and like make the whole thing sustainable so like we can actually build a business around this tool while keeping it open source and continuing to build free stuff and everything is to kind of enter the sort of like UI kit or themes sort of space, kind of like bootstrap has like their official theme store. We're trying to figure out like, what does it look like to make a product like that for uh, tailwind users or for aspiring tailwind users even. And even that positioning is kind of hard to, to figure out. So I'll kind of explain where we're, where we're thinking about going. And then I'm curious to get your take on the idea in general. And then also I have some specific stuff that I think would be interesting to get into. Yes, let's do it. So what we're thinking, um, is basically kind of like a, I guess like a web portal, you know, if you want to use 1997 lingo, you're in my language, baby. Let's do it. Build the portal. Uh, some sort of like login area where like me and Steve have just built out tons and tons of different components. Um, and they're kind of, and right now we're thinking kind of bigger components than maybe you might see with like a traditional CSS framework. The stuff that's like a little bit more complex. Like here's like the entire pricing section of a landing page or something with like three cards and sort of some interesting layout with like the feature lists and, and all that yeah. stuff. And, um, the idea would be that all this stuff would just be delivered as like straight up HTML. Since Tailwind is all utility classes, it's kind of nice that you can actually just like say, here's a bunch of HTML. The classes are embedded right into it. You can just copy and paste it and you have something to start from. Um, so we're thinking, yeah, it's like some login area. People can go in, kind of browse all these different categories of stuff, copy and paste it into their projects. And from like a design perspective, originally we were trying to figure out like, should it be should we try and make it like intentionally very varied in like terms of how it looks like some things are like super flat UI with crazy colors and some things are maybe like more traditional or some things more enterprise yeah. or whatever. Uh, but I think we're thinking uh, kind of make things a little bit more like consistent. So it's a little bit easier to sort of pick and choose different things, knowing that like they're going to fit together like fairly nicely, yeah. but that ends up making the whole thing kind of feel like, kind of like one theme but not really at the same time because you still have a lot of choice and like you know okay well i want a four card pricing grid or i want a pricing table or i want like a pricing thing with like a variable pricing slider or like mm. you enter a bunch of inputs and you know what i mean so there's all sorts of like different ways you could do it and um the nice thing we're hoping anyways with the utility approach is that since you're just copying html 
you should feel pretty safe just like changing what you want to change right like oh i kind of want like to add like a second button here well i just copy and paste the button that's already there or i want to use a little bit less padding here i just change a p6 to a p4 you know good to go um whereas i feel like if you if you look at a lot of the other tools on the market for this sort of thing you get this like giant zip file that's like the mystery box so you don't even know uh, what's going to be in there they're the worst <laughs> yeah are they going to come with like is it like a bunch of sas files is it stylus files is it just compiled css do they have like their own gulp scripts you know it's, it's yeah, all like just right. this like disaster right so i'm kind of hoping that like one of the value propositions here is like you sort of know what you're getting because like it's tailwind stuff it's just html it's all using like the default tailwind classes not like anything fancy or custom so um, it's very like transparent and you get what you get and you kind of know what to expect. So I guess just like, even based on that description, like right. how does that hit you? Well, I mean, it's, it's sort of interesting cause it's different, a little bit different than what we talked about this, like when you were first thought of it. So I guess there's the two sides of this, right? What you've mostly described is like website templating, like you're building a website and it's got a pricing page. It's got like a tour and whatever you need layout and whatever design. And what I had kind of envisioned as was more like app components. So that's going to be there too. But give okay. me give me your like, what is Ian Landsman's like definition of an app component? Okay, so that's just like the you know app dot uh, you know helpspot.com or whatever. You know, you're like the actual like. UI for a B2B app, let's say, or a consumer app, but the app itself, like lists and table views and form controls, all that stuff. Um, so to me, those are pretty different things, kind of. Like I, I understand them being together also in the Tailwind type scenario, but I do think they're pretty different. Like I think the app controls seem like super clear and clean to me and um, like a lot of people have that need because a lot of like, developers are like, I don't want to build any of this stuff. It's terrible to build at all. Or you're like trying to take some bootstrap thing, but it's like the really basic thing bootstrap gives you and it doesn't like give you really what you need. And so you need to like mess with it and all that. Um, and from your end, it's cleaner. It just seems like, cause yeah, you've got like, there's a light version, a dark version. Maybe you have like a little builder UI that lets you like mess with colors or something and like sure. outputs, uh, different variations or whatever but the, you get into like the front of the website like that gets all crazy over there like i feel like people are going to be like we need like 200 themes to choose from because i don't want to have the same theme as some other people and blah blah, blah. i get all that stuff and people want a big hero and a small hero and no hero and long form and this you know there's like yeah. all the different million variations and then you have some designers involved who they're gonna be like well we want it to look like this look can we make this thing you got from them do this thing and like so it seems like two kind of pretty different things. Like some of the controls could cut across both ways and things. But uh, so I don't know. That was the first thing that just kind of struck me is if you're sure you want to be in that side, like the theme forest end of the world, like do you want to compete with theme forest in general? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So that one's kind of, yeah, it's interesting that you think of it as being separate. I guess I, I don't think of it as being as separate as you do, but maybe that's just because like, me and Steve have actually been like trying to hack stuff together and it kind of maybe feels like more unified, but I can see why you, you get that thought. But yeah, even with like the marketing stuff, I think the goal is to make things as sort of interchangeable as possible, right? So like, um, imagine you're trying to build like a marketing site. Maybe we have like 15 different heroes to choose from, but the th- idea is like all those heroes are all going to look good with all these feature sections and all these feature sections right. are going to look good. Now yeah. to do that, we kind of have to make like some, of course, like baseline design decisions, right? Like, do we sure. go flat or do we go like with some shadows or do we go square or do we go rounded? You know, th- those right, sorts right. of like aesthetic decisions that you have to sort of carry through the whole thing for it to not look like some like disaster. (laughs) Um, But what I was hoping, and I don't know if this is going to be true and it'll be, I'm curious to know what your perspective is. Like my hope is that people are going to feel comfortable taking like a hero that has rounded buttons and being comfortable 
getting rid of the rounded corners yeah. and just like deleting that utility and being like, well, we kind of want it to be square or whatever. Right. But I also don't know that people are necessarily going to have the imagination necessary to even like think to do that some of the time. Yeah, well, I think that's where like the theme end of the market is. So it's kind of different because like, when you're building the app, it's like, you know, you have to construct all of this stuff. Like you're literally building everything when you're building the app part of a SaaS app, right? And the, the like marketing site part has like more variation in it because there are definitely people, right, who just install WordPress and they want to download some crazy theme forest thing that's got 5,000 files and seven JavaScript systems. And it's just like this giant monstrosity with custom WordPress. Yeah. <laughs> that let you do all kinds of stuff. Like, so that's a whole thing. Um, but obviously by the flip side, you're not in some ways, you're not really targeting that market very much at all because you're still going to be dealing with people who are building the whole thing from scratch. Mm -hmm. In that way, it's kind of, you know, I think your pure target, right. is going to be the, like somebody building a SaaS app, they're building the marketing page, they're building the app, they're building the whole thing. A lot of times now they're one app these days. Some, you know, it's not like that's yep. how I now usually, but uh, not, you know, a more like a bigger business building. It would usually won't build it that way. Um, yeah, they use like a different CMS right, for the marketing like a whole site different and like some thing, custom right? app, like for a whole it, different yeah. group that does it, and it's totally unrelated to the app stuff. But I don't think it's a big concern for you necessarily and what you're doing. You know, not your audience really. Yeah, yeah, I think that makes sense. I think like in our heads, we've been trying to figure out like is what we're providing like a bunch of different like sort of like themes where like you can kind of make choices that end up with like totally different looking sites or do we want to pitch it more like this is like the first kind of theme you know what i mean and, and maybe it's only ends up being like one you know like of course we're just going to start with one and see what happens but thinking of it more like okay steve designed all this stuff he designed it all like look consistent so it's like shogar at scale you know what I mean? in some ways it's like um if you could buy shogar's brain uh, but also like with a focus on hopefully trying to make it so that um people feel comfortable making little tweaks here and there to like yeah you know put their own spin on it like for example one of the decisions that we've made up to this point which may or may not be a good decision is we've been designing everything using just like basically like black as sort of like the primary color so whereas mm. like something like bootstrap like primary buttons are blue and links are blue right. and you know everything looks like a blue site we're just like let's just use like a dark gray yeah. um that's like really neutral but still like totally polished and let people like change that to green if they have a green brand color change it to blue yeah. if they have a blue brand color or whatever so hopefully people's stuff will still turn out different just because they're just gonna you know inject their own little flavor yeah. into things but again i don't know for sure like if people are gonna want to do that like it's hard to know like how off the shelf do people want things to be versus how much do they just want like a recipe for something that they can like kind of turn into their own thing yeah, there is like, there's all different, that's where like the app side feels to me very clear. Like I don't give a hoot, right? I just want to like get this like card widget thing that's got a pop-up edit button, whatever. And like I might do some minor tweaks, but whether or not it looks like some other apps is sort of not as big a deal. Like the website becomes a bigger deal. Like you don't want to feel like your app looks the same or whatever. Yeah. But um, yeah, though, I mean, I think it's, it's kind of hard to tell because it's like sort of a new, it's not really like Bootstrap in some ways, you know, like it's, it, I think it'd be bigger than that and more advanced, like you'll have more advanced components. At least that's the way I sort of think yeah. about it was, and, um, and the variety. And I definitely think there's something to the idea of you just want to have, yeah, you know, like I have to build a card yeah. in Tailwind. Like what is the right way to do that? Yeah. And what is a good way that's responsive and blah, blah, blah all that stuff. And, you know, figuring out just like you could spend a day just going through the div structure of how you're going to nest all this crap. And if you could just take your guys and yeah, oh, I actually don't need this headline. So I can delete the stuff I don't need and add in some other classes. That's fine. But I can be done with it in 20 minutes. Yeah. And that kind of brings me to like another talking point, I guess, which is like one thing we've been sort of trying to figure out is do we position it as like, like templates that you're buying that you're just copying and pasting in and like it's almost like a you know text editor driven site builder 
tool in that way, right? Where instead of having some UI where you're dragging and dropping widgets around, you're just grabbing snippets of HTML and kind of Lego blocking them together. Or is it actually more like an educational product in a lot of ways where it's like, here, we've like mm-hmm. taken like a bunch of like common patterns that you might need to build oh. on a website and built it in the best way possible with Tailwind, sort of like the creator of Tailwind, like stamp of approval on like this way of building it. And now instead of you kind of dicking around trying to figure out exactly how to get it right in some like super bulletproof way, it's just like you want like a three card like pricing section, like here's like the recipe for that. Do with it what you will, but you can like reverse engineer it, kind of learn from how it's supposed to be set up and and at the end of the day i don't think it changes the deliverable that much like there's probably like little differences that we would probably make or little changes we would make but it it is a very different message you know what i mean like are we just selling templates or are we selling like access to sort of like an examples directory with lots of really well thought out examples yeah i like that a lot it's almost like a a code version of refactoring ui it's like yeah on a page like the card page has like a left side that like has written narrative or information and then the right side is like your example and get the code or whatever and uh yeah that's i think that is definitely an interesting positioning to it for sure um, and it's more, and it's like really in line with your guy's brand, which I think is interesting also. Yeah. That's what I thought too, but it's still, <laughs> still so hard to know. Like it's kind it of does, fuzzy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It like makes sense that it's like, it feels like, uh, it feels like, um, less of a leap, right? It feels like we're like keeping yeah. like one foot in like where we're already at and just like kind yeah. of, it's more like teaching still, but like instead of writing a book or making videos or something, trying to like teach directly through code, like changing the medium a little bit, trying to do something a little bit more unique, I guess. And I kind of like that angle myself because I think that it feels closer to something that would appeal to me personally, because like, I want to like understand like, okay, how, how does this work? Like I'm I'm looking at this, not because like, Oh, I'm lazy and I don't want to build something. It's because like, I want to understand how to do it myself. But I think you would probably still just want to grab it off the shelf and use it as a starting point anyway. So it doesn't really change that much again about what we're right. actually be doing. For the, for the 90% of people who are just lazy and want it to be done, then it's there and they can yeah. do that. And then the people who, who want to dive in, it's almost like you could even see it, especially with what you guys do, like almost like a, uh, a Laracast little hybrid sort of thing in the sense of like you could see like the card page, like maybe for as you go along, like you do produce videos. Yeah. Like you talk about how you built how you built this component and why you made the choices you made, and there's like a little two or three thumbnails of a video series that go with it. So if you want to delve into it, like you can watch Adam go through and figure out how to build this thing and why the choices are made or whatever. Or obviously, you could just grab the code. But like, and then you'd even have those videos are like marketing, like they could even yeah. be free to everybody or something like that. And to get the actual, if you want the copy paste and the little tools that help you make all your colors green instead of black or whatever, then, you know, that's what you're paying for. But like some are, you know, some, maybe not all the videos, but some of the videos or things like that could be free that you do along the way and, but tied into the UI and like a educational system sort of way. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like something, I mean, this ties into so many different things, but like one of the things that we're trying to figure out is just like, what is even the packaging of this thing? Right. Like on one hand, it's like, if you're trying to, if you really want to just position it as like, oh, okay, it's a UI kit. Well, then it's like, that's like the sort of thing you just pay a hundred bucks for or something. And like right. now you have it and you download it and you're done. Um, but if you're trying to position it as more like an educational thing, well, then there's obviously different ways you could do that. Like maybe, maybe it's like a, you buy it and it's done or, or maybe it's like a long lived thing. Like you're saying, like a Laracast model more like that right. where like, yeah, we add like a couple new components each week and like, uh, you know, out of the five we add, like we do a video for one or whatever. And right. um, you can kind of like learn from that as you go. And then it's like, I, mean, well, I maybe, definitely like that. Yeah. Especially if you have the learning component, then you can lean on that. I mean, I think it's gonna make it more palatable to like companies to, to subscribe to that. I think it's, it's harder to be like, I have this UI kit 
and it costs X a year. Like that just feels like there's a lot of pushback there. Like we used it and yeah, we got like the value from it. So like, I mean, yeah, I mean, I get that like in a year I'm going to build a new feature and I might need another component. Uh, but it still feels like what if I don't need a component next year? Now I have this yeah. thing to look at, I'm getting billed for it. Somebody's going to give me a hard time. Are we using this thing? You know, it's like just a more difficult yeah. sell yeah. versus like, you know, Laracast, right? Everybody just buys it. <laughs> They're yeah. like, well, we just, as soon as we get new employees, we just put them in Laracast and like, that's what we do. And, you know, this has a similar thing like that where like, okay, the people who do UI, like this is the tool we use. Yes, we like use these components out of it, which is this awesome aspect to it, but it also explains to you why and when they do new stuff. And there's always like, obviously the internet's always changing with this stuff. So you'll be forever building. Yeah, there's like an infinite amount of like stuff yeah. to build. It's like, oh, right. like Stripe just redid their site and right, exactly. everyone just wants to copy them. So like, this is how to build like whatever they did next or whatever, right? right? Exactly. Yeah. Now everything's shadows and corner, round corners and then it'll be all square and blocky and you know, all yeah. So, um, so it's challenging. But those I mean, are big. It's also bigger too, right? Like on the other hand, that's, that is a decision you have to make of like selling a component kit is like, you know, that it's more yeah. like what you do with the book. Like you build it and it's yeah. Done like, do we want to sign up for like this, like treadmill of like having right. to churn out new stuff forever? Just wanted to take a quick break to thank one of this week's sponsors, and that is DigitalOcean. So DigitalOcean is a simple, developer-friendly cloud platform optimized to make managing and scaling apps easy with an intuitive API, multiple storage options, integrated firewalls, load balancers, and more. Uh, I've personally been a customer of DigitalOcean for about five years, and I use them to host all of my server-side projects, like my custom course platform, for example, which is built with Laravel. A lot of the guests that I've had on the show in the past are DigitalOcean customers as well. Uh, for example, Taylor Otwell, the creator of Laravel, he uses DigitalOcean to host Envoyer and Laravel Forge, and Jeffrey Way actually uses DigitalOcean to host Laracast as well. Uh, one of DigitalOcean's newest features that I'm personally really excited about is managed databases, uh, which lets you spin up a completely managed database server so you don't have to worry about anything like backups, uh, managing read-only replicas, or just general server maintenance. Now, DigitalOcean is already an extremely affordable service. You can spin up a server for as little as $5 a month, but they've been kind enough to offer a free $50 credit to Full Stack Radio listeners. So head over to do.co slash full stack, all one word, to claim your $50 credit. And thanks to DigitalOcean for sponsoring this episode. Back to the show. One thing we were considering that I I think is still a good option is trying to figure out a way to fit it into something that's more like the sketch pricing model. Like, do you pay for sketch or? Uh, I think I do, but I, I thought it was like a one-time thing. Or it's now a, it's, it's not one time, but like the way they do it is what they used to do is it was like, I don't remember the price. It's like 79 bucks or something. You pay 79 bucks and that gets you like a sketch two license. And then when sketch three comes out, like you can upgrade for 49 bucks or something. Right. Now that's like um, standard. Kind of like t- old school software. Yeah. yeah. Um, but they changed that. So, um, they're basically now, instead of like, you're buying like a major version or whatever, you're paying for a year of updates. So you mm. pay the 79 bucks, you own it, you get like updates, any updates are released within the first year that you paid, you just get. And then right. after that, like you can't download any new stuff, but you can always yeah. download the latest version that you had a license for and you can use it perpetually right. it's not like it's going to stop working like adobe stuff does for example yeah. gotcha and i think that makes sense because like um their rationale for it is basically uh, by doing it the other way they're sort of incentivized to like hold back like good features and like kind of bundle them into the next yeah. major version so they can like convince people to buy it whereas this way they can just focus on some feature when they've like nailed it just release it and like some people are in the cycle where they get it like some people are early in the cycle some people are late in the cycle everyone's just kind of on their own rhythm and um, no one's getting like a raw end of the deal where it's like oh i bought sketch two two months before sketch three came out and now i have to pay again but someone else has been using it for three years you know what i mean yeah and i've always thought that seemed like a pretty a pretty fair way to do things like i feel like in it kind of like incentivizes both sides of the transaction the right way like the people building the tool they're obviously if they want people to keep upgrading they have to keep delivering new value um 
and the people on the other side can't just like expect to get stuff for free forever and complain like oh i paid this one-time price and that was when mac os 10.2 came out and now we're on 10.14 and all of a sudden it doesn't work like you better fix it or you know what i mean Uh, i don't know if you do you think you'll have enough upgrade leverage do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. if you had a bunch of JavaScript that was part of this, I feel like there'd be more like, well, you got to keep up with the browsers and the thing and stuff breaks, whatever, bugs. I don't yeah. know if this has enough. I think, like, the way I've been thinking about it is that it's almost more like it's not that big of a deal if people don't upgrade because I think of it in my head as really just like a one time purchase, but I don't want to have to, like, keep delivering stuff for free forever. Um, right. I want there to be, like, some incentive for people to like keep paying if we are going to keep working on it so maybe that means like yeah we released like this first kind of release and it comes with a bunch of stuff but then maybe we spend like three months working on like sort of like as an extension for like a specific market category like maybe okay we're gonna like build out a bunch of e-commerce stuff specifically now and then like the e-commerce pack comes out and if someone's license is lapped and that's interesting to them then maybe they'll pay like whatever the 50 percent kind of renewal fee is or whatever to, to like keep getting the new stuff uh, yeah. but if they don't then like that's cool too because in my head i'm really just thinking of it as like a one-time purchase anyways but i just don't want it to feel like a one-time purchase with like a perpetual obligation <laughs> you know right. I mean? <laughs> on uh, your end you mean yeah yeah exactly yeah. um i think that's it is a little bit more complicated i mean that's how we like help spot forever that's was the model like you own license and it runs forever. I mean, it still helps a lot of people with like version two running. It's like yeah. old or whatever. And they just never paid for like back then you would call it like support and upgrades. Like if you want yeah. support and you want upgrades, then you pay this fee yearly. But if you don't pay it, like you can still use the software, but you don't get upgrades. You don't so get that was including even like, like minor version upgrades. So like if 2.7 yeah. came out and they were like right. out of their cycle, then they wouldn't get it. Got it. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's a very different type of product than this, though. So, I don't know. So, like, the subscription, I think, actually aligns customer interests better with a pure software product because when you stop performing in whatever capacity that means, whether updating or bugs or whatever, then the customer has, like, a more sort of direct relationship with that. Um but, and then you, you, you benefit from that and you also are, can be hurt by it if you're not holding up your end of the deal as a software. I think this is a little bit different though. So I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to say. I feel like Sketch is something somebody opens up and uses every day. Yeah, totally. So I think it's different. I think the value is me. definitely different, but I guess in my head, I'm kind of thinking, I like the idea of it being like a one-time feeling thing where like you're not like on the hook to pay a subscription fee because i think i think a subscription thing is wrong if we're just like delivering yeah a component gallery like component library whatever you want to call it right i mean it all depends on the price i think to some degree sure i mean i think the other element was like when when i was originally thinking maybe we could do like some sort of subscription thing i was thinking i don't want to do a monthly option at all because it would have to be like maybe 30 bucks a month and now all of a sudden we've done like a year of work and someone can just get all of it in one month and cancel. Right. Yeah, no, And people no. do that for like educational stuff too. Like I know Jeffrey sure. deals with that problem. Like someone signs sure. up for Laracast, grabs all the stuff they want and then bails or whatever. <laughs> right. But to me, that's kind of like a sign that like even trying to do that model, is just kind of like not properly aligned with like the, the yeah. way the value is delivered. Right. So it seems like don't even do it for this. What do you, what do, Oh, I was go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, you go. Ahead. I was just gonna say the uh, you could do. It makes me think of like then maybe it's really just like I don't know. I feel like the upgrade thing gets complicated to explain because people will be like, "What am I? What are the upgrades?" And like, could you just go more of a like the the one the main pack, right? Yeah. Whatever. The main group is seventy nine bucks or one hundred twenty, whatever, whatever the price. Yeah. Is. And then there's like extension packs, like the way you icons are sold or different things are sold this way. Right. Where like, if you want the e-commerce pack, that's separate. That's like 79 bucks as a yeah. separate purchase. And then you guys come out with the, 
the ultimate theme builder pack or whatever. Sure, and that's yeah. 150 bucks yeah, or like whatever. There's like some thing. base thing that's kind of like the bulk of the core components. And then there's like, right. like cheaper sort of like add on packs for like more niche sort of categories that you might be like, yeah. Stuff well, in. And I don't know if they're cheaper. Like they might be more expensive. Like I think, I think craft CMS is like this where craft CMS is like 300 bucks, but mm-hmm. the e-commerce packs like a thousand or, oh, or even more because like, you're going to sell less of the e-commerce ones just using e-commerce as an example, but those people have plenty of money and uh, might might get more value out of it. Right. So like uh, that might be a trade off. If you have more specialized packs, they don't necessarily have to be, they are usually cheaper in most cases. Right. But I don't know if that is a requirement necessarily. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of think of it like the analogy me and Steve were using before, which probably not everyone's familiar with, but like in like the, in like the audio and like, mixing world you get these like audio plugins like virtual instruments right you can buy like a drum machine plugin and that costs x amount of money and then you want to buy like an extra drum kit set for it like that's like half the price of the actual plugin or whatever but the thing that the only thing that um i find a little tricky about that is like I feel like it disincentivizes us from like adding updates to like the packs that already exist, for example, like say with whatever we start with has like a bunch of marketing stuff and application components and stuff. And we come up with like some new ideas for like account settings form layouts or something. Right. It's kind of like we're not like incentivized to work on those and release those, even though like they're valuable because um, we'd have to just like put them in for free for forever basically right there's no like right. way someone could like pay us again for like the new value but another way to look at that which um you know is also interesting is that any new work we do that's free to existing customer is isn't because like we want to extract more money from existing customers like it's all just like an excuse to continue promoting the product to new customers anyways right right, right. that's for the new customers as much as the like you're going to have a whole bunch of people come in yeah, because like we're able to keep announcing that there's like new right. stuff coming and people kind of are seeing and stuff the old and- the existing customers will presumably be like this is awesome. I mean, if you go that route, you, right? There's, you don't have to do that route. You could do the traditional route, which is you save up those enhancements for version two, yeah, and then version two comes out and existing people pay forty nine bucks for it if they want to, and new people get the whole thing in a full price bundle or whatever. I mean, or um. Or in your case, I mean, you could even think about the longer timeline. Like maybe, maybe the goal is to have a something that's bigger and is the more learning-oriented subscription service. Mm-hmm. But it's like version one is like here's a pack we're selling one time to build up the revenue and generate the momentum to the bigger thing. Even like yeah. I don't know, like that could be something too. Yeah, it uh, is hard to like figure out what is even like the fundamental correct direction. Like, and, and it's so hard, I think, because like traditionally everything that I've like done, like the books and courses and stuff, it's, it's always been like something that I'm making like for like a previous version of myself. You know what I mean? Right, it's right. like, this is the testing course. Like I wish I had like a year ago, like yeah. when I was still like trying to get all this stuff right. And it's so clear to me, like what I need to make and what I need to do. And something about this is like, it's just not as clear to me like what the demand is for because I do get questions from people every single day like in the discord and stuff like oh does anyone have an example of building a carousel with Tailwind does anyone have an example of building a modal with Tailwind you know what I mean so people are like they're they want this information but it's hard to know like do they do they want to see it as an example so they know how to build one do they want to just grab it and like drag it into their project like it's it's a it's tricky to try and guess like what the motivations well, are for it. And that's where, I mean, I've definitely been on whatever, I don't think you guys run it. It's like tailwind components or yeah, some, yeah, yeah. It's like a like community that. run thing. Yeah. And you know, it's like just a crazy variety of stuff. And some of it I've seen is good. And some of it's just like random stuff people put up there and I'm sure yeah. you guys ever do it that way. Right. And so, I mean, I guess I think that's too, like it's all about the friction, like, the the no brainer least friction is don't even like don't even overthink it. You have a one time price thing. If it's not crazily priced, even if I just want examples, I'm gonna buy it. Yeah. Like you know what I mean? Like what do I care if it's seventy bucks or something? Like it's irrelevant. I'm just gonna buy it for the examples, even if I don't yeah. use the like uh, whereas like if I have to subscribe to this thing every year, obviously that's like a whole different type of purchase decision. And like I would buy it, right? Me, but 
um, you know, I think you will lose people off of that. So like the no brainer, everybody's going to buy it is here it is. It's one time, you know, maybe we come out with version two next year and it's got new stuff, whatever, yeah. or, or whatever. We have free updates forever. Who cares? And you know, if it's getting like, if it's doing really well, you're going to be motivated. And if it isn't, then you won't be. So the, the, people still I got guess their like, value, so. the question with that is like, and I think this is like a totally valid way to go. And I've seen like examples of people that have done this model and, it's done well for them so like for example justin jackson runs his um like mega maker club right Mm -hmm. and it's like a membership thing for like people working on products and stuff but like unlike every other one that he competes with his is just like you pay some fixed amount like a couple hundred bucks and now you're like a member for life it's not like some recurring thing um so there's so much less friction there um but you know you have to keep like delivering new value to keep those people going but he's kind of banking on like well there's always going to be new people who want to come in right so with it's the same thing with this like tailwind stuff we could just do it where it's like maybe it's like 150 bucks and like you just like now you're like a tailwind plus like person you know what i mean like you've kind of like got the badge and uh now you get access to all this stuff and you're like helping support the framework or whatever and it's not subscription based but then we have to sort of count on there always being new people who want to keep using tailwind and stuff which in some ways seems fine like people are gonna people move on in their careers from different technologies and stuff anyway so it's not like we can count on like the same person getting the same value for 10 years straight or whatever anyways but then at the same time everyone always says like the best thing to do is to is to figure out ways to sustain yourself from like an existing customer base, like not always having to like bring in like new people right. and churning the rest of them through the wood chipper and at the other side or whatever, right? So, so it's hard. No, to I mean, holding on. I mean, that's the holding on to the customers is definitely you want to try to do that. So whether it's, I don't think the model is even as important as the idea of like, yeah, like if it's a one-time purchase. Yeah, I do think it's a little tricky. Um, do I like the idea of like the Justin Jackson mega maker thing? Uh, possibly. I don't know. I didn't think about that more. Yeah. It's almost like a whole different thing. Um, but you can definitely do like the version one, version two, you buy version three, you buy like, so you are making new money off those people. Um, you do have a situation. I don't think this would be a problem for you though. Like obviously a lot of this code is going to get copied onto the internet like yeah, fairly but quickly whatever. but i don't think that's too big a deal since especially since you guys are tailwind so like you can have it all linked up nicely yeah uh you know from there and everything um i don't know like it's like i guess it depends it might even depend like as you get deeper and feel like what you feel like the roadmap is like are you do you have so much stuff that you're gonna build and you think you could build that it's years because if it is then it feels like the subscription model has more value, even maybe without the learning component, but definitely with the learning component. Um, and if it's not, then yeah, maybe like the more one-timey type models are are better. Yeah, I think like there definitely is like years of stuff we could do. It's always just a question of those. There are like years of stuff we want to do. You know, yep. like it's <laughs> right. always so hard to. It's a little scary to like sign yourself up for. Like yeah. the only way that like people are going to be happy is if we're do we do like three years worth of stuff or something. You know what I mean? Like that feels like such a big commitment where it's yeah. nice if there's a way that you can do something that people are happy with, like what they get on day one. And then you can kind of like reevaluate based on the outcome. You know what I mean? Like, are, are you, are you planning on doing support in some, well, that's another good topic that I think is, where the yeah. landsman wisdom could come into play. Right. Um, so it kind of ties into pricing and stuff too, really. Right. That's why, that's what I'm thinking. Like it totally ties into like the, like the sketch model, like part of, I'm sure what they're, you're buying is their support. Like when yeah, you, like you can't email them anymore after like the year right. is up or whatever. Exactly. And I think I mean, like, that's basically what you're buying to be yeah. honest. Like that's a lot of what you're buying. I think it's a scary product to support without very clear parameters around like what support means because like when you're giving sure. people code that they can put into their site like who knows right. what sort of questions they're going to have or what sort of problems they might run into yeah. depending on what hairy setup they have and right you don't want people to be get all, getting all ragey at you because like you're not willing to figure out why their webpack configuration doesn't work properly or something crazy like that 
but i do think there would have to be like i think it's a good idea to have some element of support i'm just not sure what the parameters around that would be like in one sense i was thinking and this is kind of just like a pricing side of it i thought what like taylor and david did with like the nova stuff was pretty interesting where they have sort of like two licenses where one of them includes support and it's like a lot more expensive and then the other one just like doesn't include support at all and what i thought was kind of cool about that is it gives you a way to sort of like let people have it for less that aren't maybe the the real target customer that's going to get a ton of value out of it because like with a product like that you know how many people probably bought nova just because like they thought it looked interesting they wanted to look at the code they wanted to do whatever like not because they actually have like a dashboard they need to build for a client that's paying them 25 grand to implement it or something right like so makes so much more sense to charge those people a lot more money but it's nice to be able to have something that you can sell to people at a price that makes more sense for them based on what they're going to use it for but have some way that like you don't have to take on the burden of like supporting them at the same time um so we were thinking like depending on how we package it that we could do something similar to that we're like yeah if you want to be able to like ask questions and get help with things like that's in like a more expensive thing and that's time limited so you do have to like renew that if you still want to be able to get help right. with things but if you, i think you'd be yeah you'd be surprised at how price sensitive uh even the person with a twenty five thousand dollar contract is too like mm-hmm. i mean i know like in the i know like a, quite a few founders in the cms space and they get tons of pushback on like why their thing costs $99 for the CMS. You know, WordPress is free. Why do I have to pay $99 for this or $299 or whatever? And it's like, <laughs> yeah, but it's a $100,000 contract. So like this is $299 or $100,000 contract. And people are like, no, we're not paying it. You should use WordPress. Like why are you going to use, you know, Expression Engine or Craft or whatever? Like why are you paying? For and so I do even think like the two price points is even beyond just like, yeah, the geeky guys in your circle who just want to look at the code. Like, I think it's like there'll be people who are just like, no, we're not going to pay three ninety nine, even if we can email, even though we maybe we should be able to email you, and it would be better for us if we could. Like we we're only going to spend ninety nine or whatever. Um, but yeah, the support's a huge thing. Like I do think like you have to really be sure about that one, like because it's that's ongoing. You're like really committing to being there for. I think it yeah, it's hard because like okay so in my head i'm kind of thinking if someone's paying for something they're gonna like expect some degree of support no matter yeah. what like whether i sure. whether i want to do it or not it's kind <laughs> of like unethical <laughs> to just like not answer right. people's emails or whatever right? right so i feel like if you're just like putting something up with a price tag attached to it you're kind of on the hook in sure. some ways um i think there's level like you could do i mean for you guys i could see totally working with a sort more of a like and also, I mean, you want support in terms of like there will be bugs in what you set yeah, up totally. that are like legit bugs that you want to fix, so that's fixed for everybody. Yeah, and, you know, so it's that balance. But like in your guys' case, could it be a more public? You know, is there support in the sense there's like a GitHub issues repo, or there's like a discourse forum, or there's like more a public community style support? Even though you guys will be in there, that and you know, probably be in there a lot, especially at the beginning. Sure. You're not on the hook in the same way of like, yes, nine to five, Monday yeah. through Friday, you yeah. can email us. We will answer you back within a reasonable amount of time, you know, which is a much more formalized sort of support situation. Um, yeah, so that's a tricky one. Just wanted to take a quick break to thank one of this week's sponsors, and that is Cloudinary. So if I had to describe Cloudinary myself, it's basically just the best way to store and serve images that I've ever seen. In the past, I used to use generic storage services like Amazon S3 to store and serve images, uh, but after switching to Cloudinary, I genuinely cannot believe I ever did this stuff any other way. Uh, So here's one example of how Cloudinary has made my life easier. Uh, So you probably know that typically images are the heaviest resource your users have to download when they visit your site, right? Usually way more than your JavaScript or CSS. So in the past, I would spend a lot of time tweaking settings and tools like Image Alpha and Image Optim to try and optimize my image files so they weren't as large. Uh, With Cloudinary, I can just upload the full resolution file without even really thinking about it. And then by just adding a parameter to the image URL that I get back, uh, when I go to serve it on my site, Cloudinary will automatically optimize that image as best as it can, usually resulting in file sizes that are 
are actually lower than what I was seeing when trying to optimize the images by hand. Uh, this is even more useful for like user uploaded images because instead of trying to do some fancy automatic image optimization in a background job on my own server or something, I can just send those images directly to Cloudinary from the browser, I request the optimized version back by adding that URL parameter, and bam, I've got an optimized image at a really small file size. Uh, so there's an enormous amount of other cool stuff that you can do through the URL-based API. That's really just scratching the surface, but you can do stuff like request images at different sizes so you can serve smaller images on mobile devices so you're not wasting bandwidth. Uh, you can crop images to different dimensions. You can crop images using face detection, so just crop to the faces in an image. Uh, you can automatically add watermarks or text overlays or tons of different effects and stuff like that. It's a seriously impressive service. So Cloudinary has an amazing free plan where you can store 300,000 images and videos. Yeah, did I mention you can do all this crazy stuff, not just with images, but also with videos too. Uh, you get 10 gigabytes of storage and 20 gigabytes of a monthly bandwidth on this free plan. Uh, so if you're not already using them, definitely head over to cloudinary.com and check it out. It really is one of my absolute favorite services that I use on my own projects. Thanks a ton to Cloudinary for sponsoring this episode. Back to the show. One other topic I wanted to get into before we wrap up, because uh, I've been going for a little while now and I actually got to run like 15 minutes myself. But the thing that I was like really thinking about hard when I like first messaged you about this and that was okay. really eating me up was, and I messaged you about it because I saw you get into a little bit of a conversation on Twitter the other day related to it was when we're trying to figure out like how to position this product, I feel like if we're giving people like templates for all these different like pieces of an app or a site, it solves like a lot of different problems for different people, right? Like so, some people might get a lot of value just from sort of like the inspiration angle of it. And I think this is kind of me where um, I know I need to build like some feature, but starting from a blank canvas, I don't really know like what's like the best way to lay this out. Like maybe I have one idea in my head, but I kind of want to know like what other choices do I have for kind of like yeah. designing this feature. And it's sweet yep. if you can go somewhere and like just kind of dive into a category and see like, okay, well here's like 15 different ways you could build like an account settings form. And yeah. now it's like, oh, I never would have thought to do this, but I kind of really like how this one's laid out and kind of it has all the pieces that I would need based on the features that I need. Yeah, sweet. So that's like really helpful for me. And I, and right now I solve that problem by like looking at Dribble or like creating trial accounts for SaaS apps so I can look inside <laughs> and like look at their UI and stuff like that. So yeah. that's like one category of problem that it's solving that's, that's barely even related to like the templates. You know what I mean? It's just right. almost like a, a well categorized source of inspiration you know, pattern library yeah. inspiration yeah and then the other problems that it solves are for people who just like you know have like that theme or template sort of need where they maybe they just like aren't super good with like html and css and they just want something that's mostly done for them so like all the hairy parts are figured out and they can just do like the tweaks that they want and that's kind of a different problem and historically when i've been trying to market the products that i've worked on I've always had like a very clear story in my head of like what pain points like the person who's going to buy it is running into. So I can sort of like yeah. tell them that story back to them and get them to sort of like right. feel like, yes, this dude making this product gets it. And so I yep. trust that like what he's made is going to be good. But because I feel like there's so many like different angles that like someone could be coming to this product from, I feel like it's hard to tell like one story that's like clear. Yeah. And um, what it got me thinking was like when I was looking at other like UI kits and stuff, I noticed that like none of these things ever market sort of like the benefits or like talk about the pain points that people have. They literally are just like 500 components, sketch and Figma files. Like it's all right. feature and information right. based. <laughs> yeah. And I saw you in a conversation, I think it was like with Brendan Dunn. He was talking about his landing yeah. page for write message. And I, you kind of mentioned like, I think it's might be a situation where you need to focus like more on just features and not like, yeah. so people can like compare it or see like what's different about it or whatever. Right. Um, and I know this is like something that you've talked about in the past before, like everyone's right. always like benefits, benefits, benefits. Right. And Lance was like, I just want the damn features. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like, cause it's like in our little worlds, people are like benefits. And all stuff. But then when you go look at like Zendesk homepage or box.com, like when you go look at sales for like, you know, they tend to be, you look at big successful companies, there's a lot of like, this is what it does. Um, mm -hmm. And there's like benefits in there too. It's not like, 
but like whether you have like, I mean, that was also part of that discussion was the, the idea of like, you want a lot of prose like on your homepage, like paragraphs and paragraphs where you take somebody through like a long form situation of like exp- expressing, hey, isn't this your pain? And then guess what? I have the solution and that whole thing, yeah, which I think works pretty well when you're selling to an individual, which you will be in this a fair amount. Um, but I think for companies, it's a little bit different. And like, like if a company's going to look at help desk software, like they're looking at six of them or 10 of them. Yeah. And they, they're not they going to be like swayed. Compare what his yeah. They're comparing them. like somebody's given, they have a, literally a spreadsheet of stuff it has to do. And like, they're not just going to be like, Oh, I read this thing and that's it. And there are some that are like that and whatever. There's a lot of variability. There's room in the market for all the different styles. <clears throat> but I do think, you know, a lot of companies are more feature or feature with benefits oriented on their websites and marketing because it works. Like, I, don't know, yeah. I don't know. I mean, are all these companies wrong? I mean, maybe they're all wrong, right? <laughs> I mean, but, that's the thing. That's the fear that I have looking at stuff. Right? It's like sometimes it's like, okay, the, my favorite example is like Apple, right? Like there's not right. a single time where Apple tries to study the benefit of anything. It's literally like sold yeah. on like pure sex appeal, basically, right? Yeah. And features like right. it's just the features and pixels instead of 5,000 right. pixels or... Yeah. Um, and I wonder, and like, how that relates to what we're trying to do. Yeah. Well, I think do you, do you, you guys have? Um, I feel like a lot of times the like long form benefit stuff is like also like trying to sell somebody. They don't even know they had a problem. Yeah. Like, or or it wasn't it wasn't clear to them. And I don't know. I think you guys are solving a problem that's very clear. Like, I go to build a UI. I don't know where to start. What the hell I'm doing? Like. Uh, I have no idea how to lay it out. Like, there's a, like, I want to like just go in there and see a well constructed. I don't want to have to go through four different browsers and see what works and make a response. Like, that's all terrible. And I just want to go to Adam Wathen and he's like, yeah, copy paste this thing and then tweak it. But like, you know, the foundation is solid. Um, to me, that's like, I don't know. To me, that's yeah. like the real benefit. And like the market to me, in terms of your story, like you're not sure about the story. I mean, I don't know. There's a lot of different, this kind of even gets back to the beginning of our conversation where I feel like it's a little bit drifted from what, what I thought it was, which was like app UI for developers. Like you're a developer, you're asked all the time to do design like things. You go to dribble it's totally worthless because now it's, it's even worse than ever. Like now it's just like, now it's like everything's like rotated. Like I almost yeah. need to like buy another monitor and like rotate it 30 degrees so I can like browse <laughs> dribble properly. On dribble monitor. Monitor. <laughs> like everything's like, Oh look, it's a setting screen with one button. But meanwhile, your app has 42 settings. Like, you know, it's just totally, you can't like, like even with the, all, I mean, all the stuff we've ever built, it's like, Oh yeah. Like here's a list of tickets. But like if you go look at like an email client or like a help desk thing on Dribble, it's like, oh, look it. There's only one piece of information in the person's name and it's all beautiful. But meanwhile, customers are like, oh, I want to see everything on the one screen. Like, I don't yeah. want to go anywhere. You know, so, like, okay, well, the customer wants 400 pieces of information on the screen and the Dribble you know, examples are like two. So yeah, it's all, like you know, it's half all the dribble content is not even like within the viewport. It's like just like, right, yeah, it's all right. <laughs> so I feel like that is like a, like that is where like for the developer who's been asked to do something that they're not super comfortable doing, like going, having access to a site where it's like, yes, here's all the different types of ways you can lay this out, or here's different styles of components for these situations. And not only are here, is that the like gallery idea, um, but then I can actually go get, the freaking code for it, yeah. which is the like super magical part, right? It's like if I could click dribble, if I could click that thing and actually get the code for that, yeah. which you never can because those things don't even exist. <laughs> uh, like that's like uh, my favorite, just a total side is when you see something on dribble and you're like, all right, it's a real company. I know this company exists. I'm going like, to go to the website, website and, and they'll be there. It's never there. It's no, never it's once never been there. on the website. <laughs> or it's like yeah. kind of close, but like yeah, the line height's all wrong and no, like all totally the details wrong. are off. And yeah, it's, so it's, like, it's like 90% of the old original design with like yeah. 10% of this looks as good. fancy one. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. so that, I don't know. I do think the like developer, I mean, like refactoring UI is kind of the same thing. It's like developers who are like forced to do designy stuff. And yeah. That is like such a like, oh, yes, I need to have this right now. Whip out my credit card instantly. Um, 
Whereas like, if you get more into like, is this for designers or I don't know, I feel like, uh, I don't know, just like a, it, it could be harder to message. I think a little bit, yeah, I guess I think, that's where I, I think I'm. you're right. That it's best to focus on like this. It's basically the same market as refactoring UI. It's like, in a lot of ways solving the same problem, but like yeah. in a different format that is like maybe more useful to people who like you refactoring UI is sort of like the, no matter what CSS framework or technology you use, like this information is going to help you. This is like, right. if you, if you like Tailwind, like we can help you much more directly now. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? Right, right. We'll help you implement it. Yeah, what exactly. We taught you in refactoring yeah. UI. Now we're going to implement it for you yeah. and give you a really good foundation to then make it your own. But like you can get, you know, it's just like, I mean, I feel like so many dev tools are like this ultimately, right? Like I could go raw code, everything in PHP, if I want to, yeah. Uh, but or I can use Laravel, and it's like ten thousand times faster and yeah. better, right? So like, um, so a lot of people do that, yeah. and or Forge even, right? Same thing. Like, I don't want to. Fi- I could figure out like all the optimal settings to set up the server, or I could pay Taylor a ridiculously small amount of money, and like he will think of all that stuff for me, and then I can just go on to my next thing. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, I, I, that, I think, yeah, yeah the, go ahead. The features, benefit stuff, it's kind of a mix. Like you want both on the site, uh, but I do think the features of this are so strong. I feel like people are going to be like, oh my God, like, yes, like I have access to a thousand well done components or whatever the number is. And it's all in Tailwind. And I love Tailwind. And I don't have to go wandering around on forums to find examples of how to do this component in Tailwind. I can just you know, pay, pay the Tailwind people and support Tailwind and we're going to get more components and they're going to keep be able to keep working on Tailwind and it's all going to be awesome and I get to solve my problem instantly. Like, that is the benefit. You know what I mean? Like, it's like the yeah. feature and the benefit of the same thing. Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. I guess in my head, I was worried. Like, I wanted... It's so much easier to focus on, like, features because I can just say, like, okay, it comes with this many components. These, this yeah. is the list of categories. Like, And I think developers like facts even yes, though like I think you do have to like you kind of have to sneakily like put some emotional language in there too sometimes <laughs> exactly. but you almost want them to not notice um, <laughs> um, but yeah I guess I was worried it was like is that like the lazy way to do it by just like by not trying to figure out like how can I tell the story but I, I mean when I look at something like an Apple marketing page and realize that like they could literally do it any way they want. If if there's a better way, they would be doing it a better way, and they're not. Doing That's it what that I way. think. And and so. you're very much like Apple on like a much smaller scale in that um, you're going to like you have an audience, you have existing customers of your other products. People are familiar with you and your work, and like it's the same thing as Apple, right? Like Apple doesn't need to sell why Apple's awesome or why you love Apple product. Like people are coming there already assuming that whatever Apple's doing is going to be pretty good. And then they're just looking at the details and, you know, getting overwhelmed with like the amazing features of what this thing can do for them. And uh, I kind of think that's the same way. Like you're probably not going to have to do a lot of explaining. You're not going to have to build a lot of trust. Like so many of those like long form type things are about building trust in this random person you never heard of and all that kind of stuff. Like you're going to now, obviously you're going to have people outside the sphere, but if you do a good job of just selling into your core audience, it'll be successful. And then it just, you know, it'll go out from there. You know, with your customers will be the people who say these, Oh, you got to check this thing out. Uh, this is really the, you know, this is great. It saved me so much time. Uh, and they're going to, you know, instill that trust for you. So I don't know. Yeah. Super helpful, that man. So, okay. Final thing then with this, like sort of what I feel like has dawned upon us is this like clearer sort of picture of like, it's like dribble with code, which is like a pitch that we had thought about before, which I think is like a compelling one in a lot of ways. But with that idea in your head of it's like, it's this place that I go when I need to implement something and like I can find different ways of doing it and the code is right there and it works with the technologies I use and everything. When you're picturing that as a product, does it feel like something that you should be like paying to own or paying to access? Yeah, it's like so close. I think it just, that's where like the packaging of it is going to be like super critical and, and your desire. I still think that like so much of it is your desire. Like, do you want to have a thing you run forever? Yeah. Right. Um, or do you want a thing that, you know, sustains you for a period of time, but then maybe you do more of it. Maybe you don't, it's, you know, it's a, you're less on the hook, but 
assuming that aside, um, yeah, if it's like really fleshed out as like a gallery, like, I mean, dribble with code is the, is an awesome elevator pitch. Like, I mean, I would subscribe to dribble with code because <laughs> I go to dribble a lot and there's nothing there for me. And when I find something I do like it's crap and I can't like actually implement it anyway. So, uh, you know, and I think also with, if you think the core market is developers, which yeah. for me, when you told me this idea is who I think the core market is, so that's how I envision it. Then this also is helping them with the design aspect of it. And so that's sort of invaluable. Um, and it's going to cost them, obviously you can have a whole bunch of comparisons. Like what would it cost you to hire Steve and implement these components and then actually implement them? And co- like, obviously it's going to be, tens of thousands of dollars, like whatever you can do all that stuff. So, um, yeah, like if there's enough and it's being added to, yeah, I mean, I guess a lot depends on the price. Like, are you going to be able to get $50 a month? That's probably going to be a hard sell, yeah. right? Like, is I it guess in be- our head, we were thinking like maybe it's like a hundred bucks a year sort of thing. Right. I think that's like a beautiful price. I yeah. think a hundred dollars and then maybe there's a higher tier with more advanced support if you wanted to do that mm-hmm. or whatever you could even like offer like pricing or something yeah, or whatever yeah i think per you per you not i mean not per user but some type like of like buckets of seats or whatever yeah, yeah like right buckets of seats i think makes sense of like if you're one dude it's 99 bucks a year up to five or ten or whatever it's 300 whatever sure. yeah. but um i think that would definitely make a lot of sense i mean you could always you know, I mean, you could even do, I don't know. You could even, ha- you could, you could do a lot of things. Like you could have a little pack that's owned and it's like the truly the core components and whatever you can buy this for 59 bucks. Or, yeah, it's true. Like there's always, like, we could always change things over time or offer new things over could. time. Like maybe it's a membership thing at the beginning. And once we hit like some critical mass of stuff where we feel like we can just like put a bow on this section of it and just like, you just want this forever. Like it's X price. And now you have the choice. Um, yeah, I know. I think like you could do like the lifetime. You could, yeah, it's 99 bucks, but if you pay us like 250 bucks, lifetime, yeah, yeah exactly. then it's lifetime. Or, I mean, I think there's a lot of, you know, pricing makes you insane, obviously, because there's just <laughs> ways to do it. Yeah. And all that, you never really know until, until you, like, actually, you can never ask anybody. Like, all you can do is put it out there and see if, like, what works. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think if it's, like, the gallery and you're going to regularly add to it and maybe there's, like, some learning stuff in there and maybe there's a community even in there. Yeah, that's, like, the other angle. Like, is is it like you're buying, like, this component thing or is it more like... You're buying like, like a, like I kind of said before, like you're buying like that status of like you're like a Tailwind and pro member or something, yeah. and it's or like, just the value of being of all together in one spot. Like you could look at, um, you know, it'd be interesting for you to look at is Ravelry.com. You ever mm. seen that? No. So it's a, it's basically like a social media site. Let's call it for people who are really into sewing. Okay. And uh, so it's like forums. And then in there, they sell templates, which are like, like, like templates you print out to like sew different patterns and things. Like that's how they kind of make their revenue is like taking some cut of templates people post. But uh, and I don't think that exactly. You I don't think you should have random people posting the code necessarily that you sell. But like, um, but that idea of like, like a community component is like a strong component of it. And then you have the code and you're the learning resources. And it's like a whole thing uh, beyond just the code, even though the code's going to be a big draw at first, but then like maybe get folded in and people start sharing different ideas and things they built. And, yeah. blah, blah, blah. and uh, that could be like a whole nice little situation in there. Yeah, you kind of give yourself like opportunity to expand with a little bit of freedom instead of just like locking it down into some like hyper specific thing. Yeah, and like if you're charging a yearly subscription, it gives you more of a base. Like, yes, you're getting this code, but you're also getting this inspirational mm-hmm. gallery with code, and you're getting all access to these people in one spot uh, who are in the community and want to, um, you know, can help you out with issues, which also kind of takes you off the hook to some degree yeah. for some of the support <laughs> stuff of just like weird stuff on people's websites. Like, let, you, know, you can post your weird stuff and see what the community, you know, if somebody can help you out with that or whatever yeah. and chat about it. So, you know, obviously it makes it all much bigger than just shipping a 
component. Yeah. But uh, it's good to have a good to have a I don't know, like a finish line or some sort of like goal or you know, target. Some right. sort of like destination, you know? Right, 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 right. <laughs> I don't know. Cool, man. Well, this has been super helpful. I mean, we just talked about my stuff the whole time, but um I think it would only be fair. Is there anything uh that you were working on that like you would like to share with anyone or anything you'd like to plug or anything before we wrap up? Uh, I mean, they can check out my normal stuff. The only thing, one interesting business thing I've been working on is with Thermostat, which is our MPS survey tool. Uh, I've taken the plunge into affiliates and I've okay. never done affiliates before. Have you ever done anything with affiliates? A very little bit. Yeah, but not a ton. I mean, I, yeah, I tried once a long time ago. It was terrible. But um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of intrigued by it. I know a couple people... Justin Jackson actually said they've done really well on Chinchester with affiliates. So uh, I'm kind of curious this idea of like, you know, giving 30% of your SaaS revenue to an affiliate and seeing how that motivates somebody. And uh, yeah. so I don't know, that's like what I've been currently experimenting with. But besides that, like we're doing a big new HelpSpot release and kind of standard stuff. I mean, the, the software, it's like, I am, it's like simultaneously awesome that you can run a software company for so long and you have like the regular revenue. But then I am jealous of you and how you always are working on new stuff. So that's where if you get locked down, know, it's, it's like, it's it's like you're off scary. the market. You'll be a married man or something <laughs> working on this thing for years. And then that, that might make me sad because I like that every year, like I see you, at, you know, we'll meet up at a conference or whatever. And it's like, oh, you got this new thing you're working on. So yeah, it is tough. I don't know. Whatever. Got no clarity. <laughs> I got I, so much to figure out still, but uh, I think, you know, I you're going to we'll make an there. awesome product and then it'll be fine. You know, sometimes it doesn't even matter. You know what I mean? Like if the product's really good, it's not even going to matter. A lot of these things we talked yeah. about, like you'll sell it one way or the other and it'll do well. If the product's good. It'll work out. Well, there you have it, folks. I hope you enjoyed this conversation between myself and Ian Landsman about this new Tailwind product that Steve and I have been working on. If you're interested in the show notes for this episode, they'll be at fullstackradio.com slash 123. Thanks to DigitalOcean and Cloudinary for sponsoring the podcast this week, and we'll see you next time.